Posada, slow roller right side. Beckett picks it up, tags Posada, and the Florida Marlins are world champions. No question about it, I am ready to get hurt again. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Battered Marlins Fans Podcast. This is episode number four. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Granada, alongside, well, we got three usual battered fans, and we have one very special battered fan with us, Peter Pratt. So I am going to go around the horn here and introduce everybody. First, how are you doing, Mr. Peter Pratt? I'm good. I'm good. This podcast is perfectly named, I would say, for right now, right in this moment of time where the Marlins are getting battered in Atlanta for, for sure. And this is the only being the only UK one of the week. And uh, yeah, it's been then dragged on with this rain and this pain. There's mm-hmm. more pain for the Marlins. So yeah. this should be a fun, fun episode. I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. I saw this pop up like a couple of weeks back on Twitter, retweeting the life out of it. Like it's great to have just more Marlins podcasts out there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's what I enjoy listening to as well. So, um, yeah, great to be on with you guys, and this should be a fun one. Well, we appreciate having you on, uh, and you coming on. Uh, I know that right now it's, what, almost 10 o'clock at night. We're yep. currently going through this beating that the Braves are giving us, so we're going to take our minds off of that for a second before we get into the Marlins. Uh, but let's keep going around the horn. Callie, how are you, sir, out of there in Pro Player Stadium? That's right, Pro Player. Uh, I'm in my daughter's room today because I got kicked out of my own office. Um Kind of wish the rain delay never ended because we're getting absolutely assaulted in, in Atlanta right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Errors just threw an ugly game. Almost almost another error just now. That's great. In the bottom of the fifth by Segura. Um, but, yeah, really excited to get on. You know, really fun series against Cleveland, followed up by this absolute disaster class in Atlanta. So let's let's jump into it. And before we go on to uh, uh, our next battered fan, I need to point out that's quite a beautiful hat that you have there, Callie. That's right. It's uh, a pixelated Ken Griffey Jr. hat brought to you by Baseballism. I know we don't we don't have paid sponsorships yet, but Baseballism, I know I know we know you listen. So love the hat. Thank you. Griffey is my all time favorite. He's part of the reason why I fell in love with baseball growing up. So. uh, So, yeah, I I don't know. I can't I can't say everybody's age right now, but if you're more or less in the age of in somewhere in the 30s, everybody grew up. If you were a baseball fan, young Ken Griffey was the guy. Brian, how you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. You know, just uh, glad to talk just the Cleveland series. We're not going to touch the Braves one today. Um, (laughs) And we need to get a Dontra Willis version of that Ken Griffey Jr. hat. I will pay whatever it costs. I agree. I agree. agree. And last but not least, the mustache himself. Spazzy, how you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Very excited about this podcast. Not so excited about what's going on in Atlanta. But since we have Peter Pratt here, I thought it was very appropriate. Usually, Branton and myself will be having a drink while we're recording. Usually, that drink is whiskey. Because Peter Pratt is on, oh. I have a nice Pinot Noir here. Oh, baby. In honor of our guest. So, I'm excited. Cheers to you all. Let's get it going. Stop. All right. Well, we want to start it off with, of course, our guest, Peter. And we wanted to ask you a quick question. We know that you're out in the UK. We know that you're a big Marlins fan. But when I first heard about Locked On Marlins, and I heard that you were from the UK, I heard the accent, obviously, first. And I said, why the hell is this guy a Marlins fan? He could have chosen any team. How did you end up a Marlins fan? Well, that is so true, right? I could have chosen any team. Any team. All I had to do, it was simple. All I had to do, some research. Just That's it. Like, 
I, I, no one was telling me you have to follow the Marlins. There was no family connection, no, no nothing. I could have chosen. It's like somebody anything. from here go ahead and, and just for some reason choosing Liverpool by choice. <laughs> <laughs> <makes> no <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And for those listening as well, they they probably know I'm a Liverpool fan as well. Uh, yeah. But um, that that wasn't that wasn't a choice. That was like. I was born in Liverpool and that was like, you are a Liverpool fan. And that's the point, right? That's, that's how often fandom um, Mm -hmm. happens. But for, for baseball, it wasn't that. And my brother actually does live in the States. He moved, he's moved out there. He lives in St. Louis. So the first ever game I went to was at Bush and it was absolutely glorious. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but didn't I feel a connection with the Cardinals? I don't know why. Um, I was probably just too hungover. It was probably that. (laughs) Um, But next year we came back on holiday and went to Miami and I, and, and I was like, right, let's go. Let's go to a baseball match is probably what I was calling it then. And let's go and mm. see what it's, you know, what the Miami team's got to do. And, you know, it, it was a fun looking ballpark and Stanton was on, you know, hit a home run in, uh, in, in that game. And I was like, I need to choose a team. And I think I'm just going to choose this team. Like it feels right. Stanton hit that home run. I just went, I'm going straight to the store and just bought the jersey. Just thought, you know, when you put $100 down on a team, that's like it. that's the moment, right? You, you're in, yeah. you're all in at that point. So Stanton <laughs> jersey was on. And then the rebuild kicked in like the next year. And I was like, oh man, now this, this, this was the wrong choice, but we're definitely glad that you're, that you're part of the fan base. We, I mean, for those, I guess we could just plug you now, right? Why even wait? I mean, for those of you that are listening, even though I doubt that you're listening, you haven't heard him yet. Locked on Marlins, Peter Pratt every day, Monday through Friday, not on weekends. And uh, and we appreciate you, and and we listen to all your content. That's you're the first podcast that I found for the Marlins. And then when I started looking for more, I realized that there aren't many out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got together and we figured we could start something also because the Marlins need some more support. We got to keep growing this, and hopefully they can keep going on the field. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you on that. And this is a fun team right now. I feel like there's there's things to be for us to talk about and things to be excited about with this, this team for certain. And so we'll see how this year goes, but I, you know, I don't see a like 69 win team right now, but I mean, maybe that's wrong considering we're just getting absolutely blown out in Atlanta, but that's a great, that's a great transition because let's, let's start talking guardians. We, we record once a week, so we covered two series. So let's start with the fun stuff, right? The guardians. We had the guardians this past weekend. And for the most part, I thought the Guardians looked – I mean, the Marlins against the Guardians looked pretty good. What did you think of the series? I know you covered it right in your podcast, but what did you think of the series against the Guardians? Yeah, I knew it was going to be a tight series. I felt like it would be. Like, the Guardians, they kind of set up in a similar way to the Marlins, where it's like a lot of mm-hmm. – you know, not a lot of power in that lineup, like looking contact on base, you know, base running, defense. Mm. And overall, to you know, the, the crucial bit, right, was – winning both games in that double header like if, if ever you win both it feels like a huge win it almost feels like three wins to be honest with you it feels like you should just take the series automatically where yep. you win both in the double header but you know for me with those you know pitches that were going sandy was skipped and to win you know without sandy there and you know smelter's starting and then he's going on twitter and liking everyone's slanderous tweets which i thought was <laughs> hilarious from smelter um you know, well, mine included. Fun fact, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even that, I didn't, I didn't spot that. But um, yeah, that that was I, my main, my main takeaway really was those uh, smelter engagements, which was fun. But you know, I think, I think the Guardians, they look similarly built to the Marlins. I think the Marlins, you know, the bullpen has just been carrying this team 
And I've never said that in my life as a Marlins fan. It's, you know, it's only seven, eight years, but the bullpen is absolutely carrying this team right now, which is, is a shocker. And, you know, what happens when this starting rotation comes back and the offense lights up? I mean, there's a club here somewhere, <laughs> hopefully. To start this season, I kept comparing this Marlins team to last year's Guardians. I felt like if we made the playoffs, we had to kind of take their blueprint. They relied heavily on their pitching with very minimal hitting, and they made it to the playoffs. And they, they everybody thought they had a chance to, to make it to the ALCS. Now, Cali, Guardians, this past weekend, I know you were frustrated because we just can't seem to close out these sweeps. What did you think of this past weekend? Yeah, it's it's an echo of, of a lot of what Peter just said. Um, it was really it, playing after uh, a postponement is tough, especially, you know, going from home to an away series and stuff like that. That that first game is always tough because you, you kind of catch that jet lag and, you know, you know, playing a game, getting on a plane, flying across the country you know, checking the hotel, getting the ballpark, it, it, it's a lot. So I think maybe that first rain delay maybe even helped us. Um, obviously, it was concerning losing that that Sandy start, but it was for the best considering that he pitched pretty well uh, yesterday against the Braves. But um, Smelter, Smelter did great. I remember seeing his name come up, and I'll be the and you know I'll be the first one to say like I, I did not love that. Um, but he, he did great. <laughs> he did great. Uh, the, the pitching, the pitching has carried us, you know, and we hit really well considering against the, uh, against the guardians, you know, we, we saw a couple guys hit a couple dingers and, and a couple timely hits and stuff like that. And that's all it takes, you know, but of course, you know, we had that, that Sunday game and, and we couldn't close, which seems to be the story of the story of the season for us so far. Cause it seems like for most series, we win the first two, we lose the last one. Um, so if we can, I mean, but you know what, if you're going to, if you were to tell me by the end of April, we're winning, you know, we're, we're winning more series and we're losing, I would have taken it. So, For sure. you know, 12 and 13, you know, top of the six down four against the Braves, you know, and on April 27th, I'm, I'm happy with that. So. Brenton, I, I know that we spoke last time and you said that you're not worried about Lazardo. You're not worried about Sandy, but is there any worry that three of the chances that we had to close out these sweeps have been, when all those two have been on the mound and we just had like, are you at any point going to get a little worried about how they're handling these games? So Lizardo, um, I'm less worried about um, probably to start off. I'm not really worried about any of either of them. They're both top end rotation guys. They're going to come back. Um, when the only thing that concerns me a little bit about Sandy is like at the end of his game yesterday he looked really good in that last inning he started kind of doing the same thing that we talked about before in his previous starts and the ball started floating up in the strike zone and he couldn't like he couldn't get that slider down he could for whatever reason he just couldn't get it down anymore and so that's when they started hitting him and you know I, I think that's a little cause for concern but I think that's probably more him coming in a little bit rusty and obviously something wasn't right physically with him. So, you know, I think with what we saw in the beginning of that start, I think he's going to come back strong. Uh, Lizardo, I'm less worried about, um, you know, I think he pitched all right against the guardians. Um, but, you know, I really don't think there's a lot. I, I, there's no reason to panic yet. I mean, we're winning games and we're winning games without our two starting like top of the rotation guys being there and being a hundred percent, you know, Cabrera's done pretty well considering, you know, um, 
Garrett's held up all right and Smeltzer. I mean, you know, we all saw his name and we all were like, yep, this is it. We're going to get swept by the Guardians. And, <laughs> you know, he came through and, you know, that double header, I can't can't say enough how exciting that win was. And, you know, Peter, you said it best. I mean, it felt like three wins right there. And, you know, I think that that made all the difference in this road trip and, you know, seeing what's happening now, it's even it makes it feel even better. Well, one thing that we could take out of that series with the Guardians is that Luis Arias got injured and he missed a bulk of this brave series. Now, I know that a lot of people are saying that it's not a big deal that he got injured. He's playing already again. But my understanding, didn't he have knee issues before this? Or, or is this something that, that's brand new? Because my understanding is that he's had he had knee issues when he was in Minnesota. Now, am I making this up? or is- It sounded like it, didn't it? You know, when, when the trade went down and, you know, a lot of the, uh, the Twins fans were saying, you know, we're sad to lose him. But one of the things, that one of the knocks maybe was that, is the defense good and are his knees going to hold up? But actually, you know, the defense is holding up. And I don't think it's, you know, I think that knee issue that we've seen was obviously a, a foul ball onto his knee, which is kind of just a bit of a freak situation. But he's right. dinged up, isn't he, Arias? Like we've seen it. He started so hot this year. And he gets that, you know, freak finger issue um, where he slices his finger on Riamuto's cleat, I think, if I recall. Then he's, you know, fouling one off into his knee. You know, we're not even out of April yet. And, you know, our best our best hitter, um, you know, he's struggling with his hand. He's struggling with his knee. That's not really a good sign. You know, it just, it just shows. Need to be, you know, cautious and careful with these guys. We just can't, like, you just keep throwing them out there and expecting them just to keep playing through everything. So I think that's really, cru- you know, crucial for how the Marlins manage their roster, really. And I, I was personally happy to see they gave him three days off. Like, if he's, if he's hurt, give him them three games. It was on the road in Atlanta. They're probably tough games to win anyway. And you think, you know what? There's a water win here. There's a season on the line, perhaps. And um, you know, maybe this series is one that we think mm, we're probably not going to win it anyway. So, but we'll see what happens. To these knees. I was hearing like arthritis in the knees, which for me was really concerning. And as a near forty-year-old male, I know what that feels like. That's <laughs> <laughs> feeling it too. I, I had heard similar things about his knees, so that's that's why I brought that up. I wasn't sure if this is something that that's recurring or it's just a freak accident, like you said. Uh, now I know we joked uh, earlier when we spoke this week, Peter, about how we were hoping for a sweep against the Braves. Now, obviously. We were team. I, I, uh, <laughs> there was a sweep to be fair. There was a sweep. You're right. It's not right. the one we wanted. No. So uh, I, I guess I'll start with Spaz. Spaz, did you, I know that we spoke last week and we said our hope, our hope is that we end this series or these two series four and three, three and four at worst. Right yeah. now, we're looking at two and five. Did you have hopes? Or were you just kind of just shooting the wind there, just throwing numbers out there? No, man. I thought legitimately we were coming in, you know, looking that we were we were looking strong. We were looking decent, man. We were looking like a team that could dance around 500, which is what we've been saying all season. Dance around 500 and we'll figure it out. So I said three and four. I thought I was, you know, take two and two. We could have had one. We let, we let that slip away. We could have had the sweep in the garden and let that slip away. Mm-hmm. But you know, it is what it is and move forward, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bummed out that we're two and five. I did not, ex- I, that was not in my cards at all. It is what it Peter, is. Are you surprised at how this, this Braves um, series has gone? No, no, I'm not at all. The Braves, 
the Braves are the Braves, and they are just yeah. they're a dangerous team, a dangerous ball club, and they actually love punishing the Marlins too, right? That's them boys, I think, get juiced up when the Marlins are in town. Like they want to punish the queen, Marlins. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, right? There's that history, I think, spurs them boys on. And they they want to just punish the Marlins. And so I'm absolutely not stunned at this at all. Um, I did think, you know, one out of four would have been okay. And actually, really, if they'd have, you know, if that eight, eight, eighth inning yesterday didn't happen, then you're probably walking out, you know, one win out of four and you go, okay, let's move on to the next. And you know it's a tough assignment yeah. there. Um, but I, I definitely wasn't stunned that, <laughs> that there's a sweep uh, probably about to happen. Well, well Callie, were you yesterday? I, I, I mean, I guess most of us aren't surprised that we lost the first three. But are you surprised that Floro gave up that eighth inning the way he did? Because before this series, he's been lights out. Um, yes and no. I mean, Floro's obviously been, he's been incredible all, all year, you know, but you, you can't expect that to last, you know. Um, you know, he was going to come back down to earth eventually, and and it happened very, very much so against the Braves. The reason why it's not super surprising, it's because it's the Braves. Um, they That whole lineup, one through nine, is is just ridiculous. And like Peter touches, there's a lot of Marlins killers in that in that lineup. A lot of guys that just historically do really well against us. Albies is teed off against us all series. Acuna's, you know, top five player in, in the league right now. Um, you know, even Hillard has been having just like a stupid series against us. He's like six for like tw- six for eleven or something like that against us this this week. Uh, you know, it's it's tough, but the, the, this is who the Braves are. You know, this is who they're going to be. They're going to have one of the better offenses. You know, you know. The pitching rotation's stupid. This was kind of the game to win for us because it's the it's officially the kind of the back end, um, you know. But it, it's unfortunate. But the the you know someone's going to be the best team in the league, and and the Braves might be it. Peter, I I last episode we were talking about the order in the lineup, and I know I'm in the minority. Everybody else said that I was crazy, but <laughs> would you move Jazz out of the lead? spot because the fact that he doesn't get on base as much as Arias, for example, leads me to want Arias to lead off. Mm. Now, I understand that you know Arias is playing very well where he's at, but do you think I'm off base by wanting him to lead off? It's, it's been a topic of discussion on, on Locked On, actually, and Sean Barrett, who's who's on there regularly with me, you know, he, he feels the same as you, actually, where he, he feels that Jazz shouldn't be leading off. Like his on-base skills aren't prototypical for a, a leadoff guy. And the numbers, I think, are, you know, would, would point to that, that maybe Jazz isn't, and he isn't maybe a leadoff hitter, um, but he's probably the best leadoff hitter. Or maybe that's the best spot for him currently in this Marlins order. I, I don't know. I like him there because for me personally, it frees up his, his, his base running skills. Like that's, when we, see, when we saw him in the cleanup spot, it, it really... You know, connected with no stolen bases, no stolen base attempts, nothing. Like when he's down in that heart of the order, I think it takes away part of his game. And the speed and the running is part of his game. There's a value add there. And I think, I think uh, whether it is one or two, I still think towards the top of the lineup is the best spot for Jazz there. And a bit like the way the Braves go with Acuna, really, they're trying to, re- they're basically trying to recreate the Acuna situation and experience there, where you've got some power, some speed, you've got everything, but really. Ideally, you've got your best stick at the top of the order. I think that's your point, right? Do you, do you get a Raya's right up there? But 
let's not forget early in, really early in the season, you know, the amount of runners being left on, like Arise was getting on base, but he was just stranded every time because no one could knock him in. And I think right. when they changed that around, like we did see Arias, you know, I haven't seen a Marlin intentionally walk for like nearly seven years. And next thing is Arias <laughs> has got like four intentional walks in a week. And that yeah. just shows, right? Like with runners on, teams don't want to play with Arias and they're just like, hey, take first base. Let's, we'll, we'll take on Abacel Garcia and Jesus Sanchez and uh, we'll take our chances. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence about that question. But me personally, I'd led towards like Jazz leading off. Um, just so he can use his speed, really. Uh, like yesterday, for example, I remember Branton sent us a, a text when Jazz hit that home run. He said, I wish somebody would have been on base. And I replied, if he was batting third, there might have been somebody on base. So that that's wow. always been my argument. Branton, are you closer to coming my way or are we no. still Jazz lead? No, okay. okay. No, I still think, <laughs> I still think that, that our problem – I think, you know, like Peter said, Jazz is our best alternative right now. There, there's really not anybody else we could put up there. I mean, maybe if you talk about when um, Weddle comes back, you, and I'm going to say it again, I've said it every episode, you bench Segura and you start birdie, then maybe you can start playing around and move Jazz back and have like a birdie or Weddle up top, move her eyes around. Then you can start experimenting because then you've got a little more speed in the lineup. You can move Jazz back into the lineup and have a little more depth there. But that particular solo homer, like the bottom of the lineup didn't do anything beforehand. It wasn't like it was a lead off homer. So, you know, I think our, I think we have bigger problems and, you know, thankfully Avi seems to be coming alive, but you know, those home runs probably gave him, I don't know, Marlins probably signed him to a new extension. they, They love the man so much. You know, and, and, you know, Soler kind of went quiet in this road trip. He had a good shot against Cleveland and then kind of against the Braves. He's gone quiet. So hopefully afterwards he comes back. But I think our problems are more towards the bottom of the lineup than they are with Jazz. Um, if if Soler and, and Sanchez and Avi are all hitting, you're not asking if you want to move Jazz back because he's going to get on base. You know, what's he hitting like? Well, he's hitting over 300, I think, right now, or or close to it. Yeah. So he's getting on base. Jazz? Yeah, what's he on hitting base, now? On base percentage or just average? Because average is 217, yeah. I believe. On base yeah, percentage, so. I'd have to check. I, I, um, I know that Jazz is striking out 41% of the time. Yeah, that's that's something that's, that's, something that's concerning. 33% of the time. Uh, DLC De La Cruz is uh, striking out 32.5% of the time. Avisel Garcia, 34% of the time. Solar twenty six percent. Like we're striking out at a very high rate. So, and I understand because last time, last time we talked to about this, I mean, Cali said that, and I understand that this is new baseball. Before it used to be a big deal, but now we don't worry too much about the strikeouts. But man, that's a lot of striking out. Yeah, but you have to this this new brand of baseball and the way it's generated. There's going to be guys that strike out a lot. Like that's just the way the game is generated now. Power pitching is not our hitter. Okay, but you you're but you have to you have to think about how much the game's changed in terms of yeah. of, of pitching and even Chipper Jones. I don't know if you guys heard on the pro, on the on the on the the stream the other day. He said when when uh, when pitching, yeah, another Marlin killer. Uh, he he even said what was the way Snedgrove's throwing. He's like, if I were hitting today, I'd only hit two hundred because every single guy's throwing ninety five plus. That's why strikeout numbers have 
skyrocketed and why MLB has kind of had to change the rules that they did to generate offense because the pitching has gotten has far surpassed the hitting. Um, right. That being said, and I mentioned this on the other podcast, and I'll mention it now. Okay, Jazz leads the team in strikeouts. Okay, that's just the type of hitter he is. He's gonna he's gonna hit when he hits it. He's gonna square it up. Um, you know, he'll be if 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 you could, if he can live around 250, 260, would you would you be upset about the strikeouts? I don't think so. You know, no. Um, but he's gonna be on. He had he's an athlete. He gets on. He's gonna move. He's you know he's gonna get that extra base. He's gonna be extra aggressive. You know, and again, if he's gonna be the guy striking out the most on the team. Okay, let's say Arise gets on, Coop gets on. All right, would you rather him lead the team in strikeouts with guys on base, or would you rather him lead the team in strikeouts with no one on base? And for me, the answer every single time is, is I'd rather him strike out with no one on base than with guys on base. Um, now, again, it, it, it's ba- it, it's a balancing act because who else is the, who else is a leadoff on this team? Arise is the only other is the only other option. You know, that would be it, my guy, yeah. Yeah, but again, okay, so Rise gets on, Jazz comes up, he's still leading the team in strikeouts, he's going to strike out a lot, we're going to run into the same issue. It, it's, you know, he's, and, and again, the dichotomy, the duality of it is that not only is he going to lead, Jazz going to be one of the leaders in strikeouts, he's also probably going to be one of the leaders in home runs. Yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. <laughs> so it, it's like, you know, luckily Skip's a guy that, Skip's a guy that's not afraid to, to move it around a bit, but again, I, I would love to see the metric maybe you know, by the time end of May, June comes around, see where Jazz is hitting the best. You know, where's his OPS at at the end of May? Where's his OPS at in the middle of June or the All Star break or something like that? And then maybe we can find some more consistency as to where he stays in the lineup. But at, at this point, you know, it's it's just a matter of who else. And if and with Arise being hurt, you know, and out the series, who else bats first? You know, do you throw Birdie in there? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, P- Peter, talk about uh, uh, forty for forty tracker. Oh baby, that's been that's been on fire actually this week. Like the forty forty tracker going, Jazz is really he he's got the the long ball going at Atlanta, which is great. Uh, maybe forty forty, you know, it's a stretch target for him. But uh, how do you boys feel? Like you think you know forty home runs, I, like stolen bases for me. Like Jazz could he yeah. can rattle them off easily. It's it's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. forty stolen especially bases, especially with the changing. Especially with the changing in rules, he can get to those forty yeah. bases. The forty homers is the, is the one that's going to be a little more difficult. I think he can do it. I, yeah. I think I think, I mean, obviously forty is a big ask from a guy like Jazz, but I think I think forty is. I think if anyone on this team is going to hit forty, it's going to be Jazz. Let me say that. Or How's Solar. That ah, Solar. Yeah, I bet, I, I'd be really happy if Solar finishes the year honestly with like high twenties. Low thirties, because um, again, Solar's going to be a big strikeout guy. He's going to—he's he, an all—Solar's an all or nothing guy. He's going to hit the ball five hundred feet, or he's going to strike out or roll over the shortstop. That, those are the two things we're going to see. If we Surprise, get Jazz, what do you think? If we get Jazz healthy all, all year long, I think we're just going to be popping champagne with Peter at the forty to forty mark. I think it happens, man. Let's go. If we get a healthy Jazz, if no injuries, nothing happens. I think it happens, dude. And Peter called it from the beginning, so I love it. Well, it would be amazing. We, we're, yeah. we're in the we're in the end of April, so he has five he has five bombs already, which is great. Mm-hmm. And ninety one at bats, which is you know if you're gonna hit forty, you're you're you know you're kind of on the right track. I'll give you right now what what, what he's on track for. It's just give me a sec to get my math on. Seven stolen um, seven stolen bags. He can he can definitely get to forty. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt. I have no doubt about that. Uh, so while I do this, um, Avisil Garcia, Peter. Everybody's ready to send them down, and all of a sudden, a couple games, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, maybe he's he's finally getting it together." 
I'm not convinced. You need to give me a lot more than one or two series. What are you thinking, Peter? I must say that was elite hosting then. We went somehow, we went from Jazz Chisholm 4040 tracker you got it, to, to, to Abacel Garcia. <laughs> was stunning, stunning transition. Uh, Abacel Garcia, it's a tough one, right? It, it, it hasn't felt right since the start with Abacel Garcia and the Marlins. Like something's just been off. He came in heavy. Um, it, he looks disconnected in general. He's obviously frustrated with his performance, but the Marlins need him to be productive. Like they're not the type of ball club that are just going to eat $35 million. Like they're not. And so they just need to find a way to unlock something in Avi. And if it is, if it is this minor tweak in some wider batting stance, if that is the, the golden nuggets that Avicel Garcia needs. And well, listen, we've had two on runs this week. So maybe it is, you know, maybe he's found something and he's going to go on a tear, but the Marlins need him to find something and be, you know, a one-two war player, and that's fine. Because his right, his defense in right field is actually pretty tidy. Like when the ball's out there in right field towards Avi, I think, yeah, Avi's got this. Anywhere else in the outfield, I'm, I'm concerned about. But you know, defensively, he's fine. It's just, is this real? That's the question you're asking, right? Is it two home runs this week? Is this real? Are we seeing skinny odd year Avi? Is it finally happening? Look, everybody was talking on, on Twitter about sending him down. And, well, I, you know, it's DFA or nothing, right? There's yeah. no trade option. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's um, the point. Are they going to eat 35 mil, the Marlins? Like, no, no, not the Marlins. I don't, think, I don't think so. They're going to milk him for everything they can. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so are you on the Avi train, Brandon? Right, you want no, I, I hope so. Listen, when you invest that type of money as the Marlins, like you hope that the guy works out and – you know, it would be better for us if he works out than if he doesn't. So, you know, he's putting in defensive work, you know, which is important, especially with Jazz making the transition to the outfield. And while Jazz has looked really good uh, lately, we did have our concerns to start the season. So, you know, it's good to have somebody we can depend on there. Um, if his back can come alive, I think that solves a lot of problems for us. But, you know... I think it's a lot of wishes and dreams with Avi. So, and, and that's all we have to hold on to. Like they're, they're never going to not play him. Right. Because, you know, because he's getting paid the money. <laughs> so, yeah. If, so if you I know, told, hopefully he turns it. If I told you that Avi Garcia for his career has more hits and strikeouts, would you believe me? No. Oh, he but does. I know it's true. Oh my yeah. days. Yeah. Unbelievable stat that that is. <laughs> so let, let me let me let me frame Avi like this because Avi's Avi's been a disaster class mm -hmm. with the Marlins since he since he's got here, right? But his 162 games average, 62 game average. Would you take this? 264 batting average. I'm already sold. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. already sold. <laughs> Seven, yeah. 736 OPS. Tw was it 21 bombs? And 153 strikeouts. Would you take that? Of course. Yeah. That's, his, that's that's his that's his that's his average. That's what the Marlins paid him for. That's the <laughs> that's that's what he's done he's on on average know. every season. Yeah, you know. And the thing is, you look at some of Avi's like kind of you know some of the years he had with with the White Sox specifically, and then the year he had with the Rays. You know, and it's easy to fall in love with that. And the last year before before he signed with us. In 2021 with the Brewers, he hit 262, an OPS of 820, 29 bombs, 86 RBI, 
you know, and he struck out 121 times, you know, and then we paid him what the, the what was it? Three years, 50, 56 million front loaded type of contract type of thing. Um, or back in back loaded type of contract. And, you know, he's, he's kind of gone past his, his prime, unfortunately, I think a little bit. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the results, but I think everyone's holding on to the fact that we see Brewers and White Sox Avi again, you know, mm-hmm. and unfortunately in the, you know, when the one year and change that we've had him, it, it's just, it's, it's, it hasn't felt, it hasn't felt right. And it had, and he hasn't produced with us. He's hit last year. He hit 224. This year he's hitting a buck 69. You know, he's striking out a ton, you know, uh, well, hopefully it was you know, just a, a rough April. Yeah, you <laughs> know <about> that season. <laughs> so hopefully, it was hopefully, just, to, let us forget about. He's gonna team. play, and, and he's gonna play. He's a he's what the second or third highest paid guy on the team. He's he's gonna play. Yeah, he's it's not like they're gonna well, bench him. So we have to get used well, to him get the at bats to turn it around or or not. So we'll see. Peter, there was uh, uh, some people talking about how we can maybe flip Avi for Osuna. Would you want to see Marcelo Suna back on the team? Like we had this conversation last week, but I'm kind of curious as to what you have to say about this. I, I'm not sure that's the right approach either, um, to be <laughs> honest. So, I, uh, the the thing is with, with Avi, just going, just kind of like rounding that off there. Like with, if he can get anywhere near to his career average numbers there that we just went through, like anywhere just touching that. You then look at it and think, let's say he plays most of the year in, in Miami. He's then got two years remaining and like 25 million left, okay? That kind of production, I think, then becomes tradable at two years, 25 mil. Like, where someone would say, actually, yeah, we, we take that. Because, you know, the way these kind of baseball contracts have risen in the last couple of years, like, you're seeing, like, a real growth in in some of these contract values. So, you know, for a, a two-war guy, you know, hitting 20 bombs, like, they're probably getting more than 12 million a year right now, I'd say. Um, and so if he can rebound a touch, like uh, there could be a situation where you could move Avi without having to take an absolute dud back in, you know, in, in terms of like a, a dud contract and a dud player. And maybe there's some, you know, they could move him um, for like a low level, no name, you know, player to be named later kind of situation. But I think the Ozuna situation is something they should probably avoid. Um, I, I think we all agree on that. One. Yeah. I, I think his time is running out rapidly in in atlanta and actually i think they will eat that money i think the bravos will actually end up pulling the trigger on that and just ending that relationship moving on they've they've won so many other contracts atlanta and so there's no need to look at every single contract they just have to look at it and go hey well you know we've got all these other players on amazing deals we're gonna have to eat this one and move on it is what it is but overall the way they run their ball club and their contracts, it's second to none, to be honest with you, the way they operate. And, um, you know, there's the odd loss in there, but overall, they're big fat dubs all over the show with uh, with Atlanta and their contracts. Zuno was getting booed last night, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, nice. it's rough. Now, I, I wanted to touch real quick. Spaz, you have uh, Spaz called the Marlins the Michael Jordans of leaving runners on base. <laughs> and when I went and I double checked, we're not the worst in the league. I mean, we're 18th, so it's not great. We're leaving about six and a half runners on base per game, but we're 18th. I thought we would be a lot worse. Now, I will tell you, we are the worst in average in the National League, worst in the in the entire uh, major leagues. So we obviously are having issues with our offense. 
But I wanted to jump back real quick to the Jazz. He's on pace for 32 homers and 45 stolen bases. That's still so, Right. Obviously, if he picks up the home run thing, he can, he, can, he can get there. 32 is not that far off if you can get on a hot little streak a week or two. So uh, so we, we got a chance. I'm, I'm all with that that tracker. I'm with you there, Peter. There you go. Let's do so, it. Our <laughs> offense Let's go. is struggling for sure. But what we thought that was going to be our strength, our, our rotation suffering with injuries and just lackluster performances. Mm-hmm. Peter, what do you think? Because I thought – George Soriano was going to get a bigger role when people started going down with injuries. But that doesn't seem to be the case. What do you yeah. think of our rotation now with, with all the recent injuries? Man, I was looking at it last week and comparing the opening day rotation. I was thinking back, how hey, this rotation looked good. I was looking at this week's rotation, and that was before the Sandy news dropped in the, you know, like he was skipping a start. We didn't know how serious it was. And I was looking at it going, okay, we've now got Lazardo, Cabrera, Brian Hoeing, Smeltzer, and Braxton Garrett. You know, all of a sudden, the rotation, the strength. You know, it isn't the strength. And even the guys, you know, what we expect to be the strength, they haven't started the year hot themselves. So that's the point. The bullpen has had to carry the rotation. And they've done that well. But as we started to see now, the cracks start to appear. Those really close games, the little, like, maybe kind of lucky wins that you see, those really tight ones, they're starting to go the other way a touch now this last week or so. And that's the concern, isn't it, guys, where you ask more and more from the pen and you're going to get less and less overall. That's going to be the problem. And, you know, it's it's tough. They need to get some length out of this rotation. Fundamentally, that is the main priority is we need length out of the rotation. And we're starting to see the cracks in the defense too, and that's the problem too. Then the defense falls down, the rotation starts to fall down, the bullpen falls down. It's all connected, right? And that's the yeah. problem. The flaws that we knew about will maybe start to rear their heads and we'll start to see some L's off the back of that. And that's the concern. But the main the main takeaway for me is Sandy wasn't hurt. It wasn't anything majorly serious. That was a big win. Um, because when I saw that news drop, I thought, oh boy, oh boy, here we go. This is, you know, this is season over situation. Trevor Rogers, the same. I'm really mm-hmm. intrigued though, guys. I'm interested to get your take, really, how... For me, Braxton Garrett has pitched himself into the back into the rotation. I was surprised how they managed him anyway. Putting him in the pen didn't yeah. make a ton of sense. For me, Braxy's put his best, best foot forward. If Cueto and Rogers are back, who's going to be the odd man out? That's the question I've got now. Like, if they don't go six man, you know who who's going to give? Because for me, Braxy's in. So it's what do you do with Trevor Rogers? What do you do with Cueto? I don't know. There's some decisions to make there. What do you think, Brian? So I think, you know, I, I would guess my rotation when when all healthy would be Sandy, Lazardo, Cabrera, Garrett, and, and Rogers. That would be my five go-to. Uh, Cueto, we took a flyer on him. Let him be a long reliever if he doesn't want to do that. Peace out, man. You know, I, I think we got to give it to our own guys. Um, <clears throat> you know, we didn't really get to see a whole lot of Rogers before he went down with his injury, but what we did see looked all right. Um, but absolutely. I think Garrett has hundred percent earned his spot in the rotation. And, you know, I, I think he's probably outperforming Cabrera as well. Like I think stat wise and, and what we've seen from him, he's definitely like the number three man in the rotation at this point. Um, will he stay there the whole season? Who knows? Um, cause I have high hopes for Cabrera rebounding and, and having a good rest of the season, but 
you know, to kind of touch back on, on the bullpen issues, I think our bullpen got beat up real bad in this Cleveland's in the Cleveland series. They got used a lot. Uh, we had that one game where it was just basically the smelter game was just the bullpen really pitching the whole game. And so if we can get Sandy, you know, hopefully to start going, you know, seven innings again, Lizardo, we need him Lizardo tomorrow. Even if he gets lit up, I think he's got to go seven to give these guys a break after, especially after today, going back to the pin because of the rain delay. So, you know, I think we're probably going to have to take some pain with the rotation to just get some guys some rest because, um, you know, the bullpen was number one in baseball before we hit this road trip, and now they're not there anymore. And I think a lot of it is just fatigue. It's these guys getting overused so early in the season. And so, you know, maybe that's that's where the odd man out in the rotation helps out in the bullpen. We get another long reliever, and I think that's really – Probably what we need right now is another guy who can go long, you know. Um, you know, I know Danny loves Soriano, so hopefully you know, he do. gets I, a shot. I, I, I'd rather him get a shot than Cueto, honestly. I, I agree. I, I don't want to see Cueto out there. Honestly, when no. we got him, I honestly was surprised that he was still in the league. Like, what is this guy still doing around here? So I, I'm all for Soriano over Cueto. Um, I think with um... – my my take is that Garrett's been the most consistent pitcher in our rotation so far this year. Um, so I, I I very much agree that that Garrett can't lose his spot now. Uh, I I mean the the easy answer is that Cueto I think is the odd man out. Um, as as we've seen, you know, Cueto, he's not the Cueto from five six seven years ago, you know, and we've seen his 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 whiff rates drop you know, consistently the last couple of years. And then it, it plummeted from 2021 to 2022. And we saw when he came in in the short little, in the short start he had with us that he was, he was getting hit hard again. And with a guy that's net for a guy that's never really thrown hard, that kind of leaves the ball up that, you know, you can't leave the ball up because you're going to get teed off on. We kind of saw the, the results of that. Um, so I just looked I, up Cueto's salary. You don't even want to know. I don't don't say it because it's just gonna make me angry. Um, <laughs> um, but with in, in terms of long options, a couple there's a couple other things you know we need to consider. We have a guy like Max Meyer who's slated to come back hopefully before the All Star break, and he's another guy that you know it, it would be a good problem for Skip to have to have a guy like Max Meyer kind of knocking on the door too because we've seen when he's been up and even in even his numbers in in. Uh, Double and triple A have been fantastic when he's pitched. And, and he's a guy that the club is really high on, you know, first round pick out of Minnesota. And, you know, that's that's another guy that when he's healthy and ready to go, he's going to he's going to start taking some jobs from someone. You know, it's a good problem to have to have to have too many starting options. Now, if everyone's healthy, it's it's going to be a good problem for Skip. But, uh, you know, death taxes and, you know, pitchers not lasting the entire season. Right. So. You know, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to miss a start or two, and we're, those guys are going to have to flip in and out. You know, not you know. I think Max Meyer would be a guy to look on and you know down the road. I know he only started throwing like ninety feet like a month ago or so, like right before the season started. So he's probably you know based on throwing programs, he's probably not even going to be back till the six month mark. But he's a he's a name that I would I would definitely keep an eye on moving forward. He's going to be good. Peter, good do you game. believe in Cabrera? I do. I, I just 
I just recorded uh, an episode of Locked On just before this one, guys. And one of the key things I was talking about in that was I, I think Cabrera is just about ready for a massive breakout game. I can see that happening in the next game or two. Like, it was obviously a slow start for him. The walks was just a weird situation, just had no command. And then it's been... Then he just couldn't find or piece all of his pitches together in a single start. You know, one day the changeup's not there. Next day, the fastball's not there. And he's just struggled to piece it together. But in his most recent start, I think for three innings, we saw Edward Cabrera that we fell in love with, perhaps. And I think there's a big, massive breakout kind of game coming from Edward Cabrera in the near term. Could be this weekend against the Cubs. I mean, Cubs are, are pretty hot right now themselves. So, uh, but... It would be amazing, and actually, it'd be so timely. We're just talking about it, right? Can we get Eddie going seven or eight with double-digit Ks, something like that, something juicy just to get us all back on the Cabrera hype train? Um, but I do, to answer the question, I, I like him, and there's a lot of what we saw with Sandy right there. There's a, like, you know, if Eddie wants it and he puts the work in, you know, it there's that, you know, that is there for him for the taking, yeah. you know, and he's, he's around Mel, he's around Sandy. He's got the perfect environment to learn and improve. If he wants it, I think he could do it. So I'm high on him. I've always been high on him. Um, he always pitches well when he's got the, the dreadlocks flowing out too. It's always about the hairstyles look good, pitch good. It's That's all it. about you like, good, you feel good. Exactly. Exactly. So let's see what hairstyle it's the man bun. It's the bun that never, he never performs well with the bun. So no more of the buns, please. <laughs> so Spaz things have, you know, gotten, I don't want to say off the rails over the last week, but they're not going exactly how we would have wanted by the time that we recorded this episode. But the fact that we've won every series that isn't the Mets or the Braves, does that give you some optimism moving forward? Because our two aces haven't necessarily performed great. And we're winning series, just not against World Series contenders, which we aren't in that class. So how are you feeling about the season so far, Spaz? I'm all right with it, man. I mean, like everyone has said, the Braves are the Braves, and they're a fucking strong team. Peter said, I mean, the way they are managed and the way they are they operate as a club, I mean, it's like second to none. Again, a strong team. And the Mets, again, similar shit. Like, they are the Mets, and they have, you know, and I – I hate seeing Starling Marte out there. I, I wanted to keep him so much, man. Like every time he comes to town, I'm, I yell at him and I, not in a bad way. I, I miss him. I mean, you know, extraño <laughs> Marte, you know, I, I tell yeah. him, I love him. So yeah, I mean, I think we're all right, man. We're, we're going to be okay. Those are two very, very uh, tough clubs to beat. And um, they're the only ones that we've lost series to. So it is what it is. I, I'm excited. I'm okay with it. All right. Peter, if there was one thing that you could change on this team moving forward, what would it be? Oh, boy, oh, boy. That is a tough question. But for me, the thing that jumps out most, and it's what I can see right in front of me here as well, guys, the one thing I would change is bring back the pinstripes and the teal. That yes. for me. It's what I would do. It's, the, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Glenn Geffner, actually, if you guys um, aren't subscribed, hit his, um, his content. Um, go and check it out. He had a really interesting article out there today. And it was fan questions and he was digging into that. And one of them was around um, the, the uniforms and the jerseys. And I think Glenn was saying the same, like it's a no brainer, like the club, this type of topic is a type of topic you listen to the fans on um, yeah. because fundamentally, you know, <laughs> they want the fans buying the jerseys. So mm -hmm. I don't know why the Marlins have decided to leave it this long and why they haven't made the change. Like it's a club that struggles commercially and 
the fan base is telling you and has told you for years and years, we want the pinstripes, we want the teal. Make it happen. And they'll sell because they look amazing. Um, so that's for me the change I'd make. Real quick, Kali, before I, I go on to you, I, I did have one thing. Now that you brought that up about the merchandise, I went to the game, uh, the last Friday home game. I forgot. Slipped my mind who we played. I think it was the Diamondbacks. It was Diamondbacks. We were there together. And man. I went, I went, yeah, I know. We were there together. I know. I went to every single team shop in that stadium. They didn't have one teal hat that fit me. They were, were they all sold out? Maybe. I didn't see that many teal hats in the stadium. How are you not producing enough to sell? And then when I went online to look for it, you don't have it on the team shop. Like, this is, I, I agree with you. The teal and black, great. I love it. <clears throat> sell it. Like, we want to buy it. Sell it. It's not on the team shop. Maybe they want me to go to the team store to buy it. I, I tried. You don't got it there either. What are you doing? And then one more thing. We're in 2023. I understand we're celebrating 30 years of Marlins history and blah, blah, blah. Why are we not celebrating 20 years since they won their second championship? I haven't heard a peep about it being the 20th anniversary. Like, if I didn't know that, who would who would say that? Peter, I, I mean, I, I know that you started following the team six, eight years ago or whatnot. But who have you heard anybody bring up the fact that it's been 20 years since they won that championship? Nothing. Nobody's celebrating that. It's, it's strictly about the 30. How are they not taking the opportunity to also promote this? Like they have, an, uh, an, an, they have an event just about it. Take your dog to the park, bark, bark in the park or whatnot. And all this other crap. Can we have a 20th anniversary of a World Series title? Not many teams have those. Can we celebrate it? It makes no sense to me. I'm not, they're dropping the ball right now. I'm sorry, no. that rant over. Go ahead, Callie. What were you going to say? <laughs> you know what I love about you, Danny, is when you get really excited, that New York accent really shines, man. It's beautiful. <laughs> but um, I have, a, I have a, a sort of conspiracy theory that the Marlins are starting to do all this, and it coincides well with the 30th anniversary of the club opening, like every Friday is that Teal Friday and stuff like that. Because I think they're, I think the Marlins are poised to do what, you know, the Astros did what the Padres did what a lot of these clubs did is that they brought back those old colors and they stuck around like so you look at the Padres you know before even the, like the Tony Gwynn like blue and orange they had the the golden brown the mm -hmm. Astros had that orange and yellow and navy blue then they transitioned out of that to that, to that kind of like crimson and black and gold era and then they kind of they kind of found their way back to you know the Padres went through a bunch of different rebrands until they they found their way back the Blue Jays are back now that they had their, they're back to those powder blues and the, the yeah, bird on nice. the hat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the Orioles have the the bird on the hat again. So we're seeing all these teams kind of revert back to really what, what worked. Um, and I think the Marlins are kind of setting themselves up to do the same because I, I think, I think they see that the fans want, they can't, they, I mean, I know, I know the I know the organization is inept in how it runs, but they can't see the how, like I go to every, I've been to, I don't know, four or five Marlins games already this year. You know, I'm, I'm going again uh, next week. Um, and everyone's wearing the black and teal. Like all the fans that, you know, have been there a long time. You see the beat up old, you know, black and teal hats. You see, you know, the Gary Sheffield, the Dontro Willis, the, the Cody Ross shirts. You're seeing all those all around. Like, I, I, I think, I think the the club is kind of like throwing some feelers out there. We see that we see the the Marlins Museum now, and they have everything kind of set up the way it does. 
they're starting to tap into the nostalgia. And I think that's them maybe throwing the feelers out to see like, okay, is this something that the fans really want? And I think, I think eventually we kind of go back to that. Like, is it going to be the, the, the white with the black pinstripes and the, 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 the fish and the F I hope so. Like if we can go back to being the Florida Marlins, that would be fantastic. But I think that's my conspiracy theory. I think we start to kind of, I think they're following the, the trend of a lot of these clubs because before the Marlins were the Marlins in terms of attendance and all this stuff, there were the pot, the Padres were just as bad. The Blue Jays yeah. just as bad. You know, the remember when the Astros were the Lastros? Mm. Like, you know, <laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes they, they do those rebrands and it kind of brings people back. So let's see what happens. Well, maybe I'm in the minority. I don't hate the new colors. So I look, I, I like the new colors. I think they're nice. And and give me just the, the silhouette. I don't need the M. I, I think this is good. But I'm with you. I, I love the teal. And just for the record, the Florida Marlins are the only undefeated team still in major leagues. So there the you go. And, and, and you know we have the best winning percentage in playoff history of any team in major in the four major leagues. So just putting that out there also. Anyway, I know I know it's getting late for you, Peter. So we're going to start wrapping this up. But at the end of every show, we like to – put our predictions out for our, the next two series, right? Kind of judge more or less where we're going to be. Now, I know it, that this record down on the bottom of the graphics is 12 and 13. I stopped keeping up with the game, but I'm pretty sure it's 12 and 14 by now or about to be 12 and 14. So we're about Dangerous two games on the 500. Yeah, two games on the 500, possibly fourth in the East if uh, if Philly wins today. So they did. going – the oh, there you go. So we're about to be fourth in, that, in the East. How do you see the next two weeks going? Maybe give me a, a, a record prediction with this Cubs series at home and then another visit from the Braves. <clears throat> Am I on deck first? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's take the pressure off. Let's, let's put Spazzy on there first. Oh, I want to put all the pressure on you. <laughs> all right. So we get the Cubs first, right? Yep. At home. So, so you know, on Friday we're winning because it's the Florida Marlins playing. Right. Fine. Perfect. I don't like playing the Cubs because, man, that park gets fucking full of Cubbies. It is <laughs> absolute worst. I don't know. Like, besides New York, I guess there's just a lot of Chicago people here because it's fucking Cubs as far as I can see, and I hate it. Uh, I think we take, with that being said, I think we definitely win Friday because Teal Friday, throwback That's Fridays. That's a undefeated. W. Right? And I think we're, we're undefeated on Teal Fridays, right? In the Correct. one Teal Friday we Florida played, yes. Okay, yeah. Two. So, Two, oh, two. two, yeah, you're right, you're right. We've, we're been, we've been to both of them, Cali. Come on now. You're right, you're right. My bad, right. my bad. But my we, bad, we my take bad. two out of that, and then after that, we play the Braves. The Braves, three. The Braves again? Fuck. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna say we got some of that home uh, home field advantage. So I say two, and uh, it's a three game series, a four game series. Three, three game. Three. We got off. Monday off. Two and two. I, I I get two series wins, man. Let's fucking do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's four go. And two? Okay, four and two. Branton, what, what are you thinking? I'm a little less optimistic. <laughs> um, I'm going, I think we can take two from the Cubbies. I, I think that's realistic. Um, seeing how the Braves have beaten us up, I, I think we probably, um, and I don't, we don't have projected pitchers for that because our rotation's kind of out of whack. So it kind of depends on that. But I think, I think we take one from the Braves. Um, depending on who's pitching, if we can get Sandy and Lazardo or maybe Lazardo Cabrera in there, um, you know, we, we might be able to take two, but I'm going to say we take three, three in this, this next two series. Callie, what are you thinking, sir? All right. So 
tomorrow against the Cubbies, we have Lazardo in the bump, who's, who's thrown mm-hmm. well for all intents and purposes. And we're facing Stroman. You know, Stroman, not a guy that's going to light up the, the radar gun, but he has – Stroman uh, sucks. He has an arsenal of pitches, and he spots it pretty well. That, are, that being said, he's very much feast or famine as a pitcher. He's had his hot start, 217 ERA. He is 2-on-2 two on two in the year. Um, but in a, in a very hitter-friendly he, – he, his home field is a very hitter-friendly place. Not so much a hitter-friendly place uh, in when he comes down to Miami. Um, then we have uh, Cabrera on the bump against a TBD from, the, from Chicago. And then on, on uh, Saturday – we have, or on Sunday, we have Honig up against Steele, who is 4-0 with a 139 ERA. Yeah. All right. That being said. Um, <laughs> that's the one we lose. That's, that's the one. <laughs> you know, if we win the first two, we're losing Sunday, right? Yeah, like, that's, yeah, just, that's, a foregone, that's a foregone <laughs> con- conclusion. Um, I think for that being said, the whole series, I don't know how it happens. I don't know which which ones we win, which ones we lose. I think we break even 500, 3-3. Three and three. You know, I, we we'll win one of them because we're we're pretty decent at home. But uh, yeah, that's that's my prediction. Three and three on the uh, on our next home stand. Uh, I'm with you. I think we take two from the Cubs. I think we take one from the Braves. Sandy pitches on Tuesday. Uh, I I I gotta keep my hopes in Sandy. I don't know. I just refuse to to let that go. So three and three. And hopefully the bullpen can can go in and save that game because I'm sure it'll be a tight game. We're still undefeated in one-run games, by the way. Peter, what do you think? I'm feeling optimistic, actually, guys. Um, it might be the wines kicked in or something. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm with you, boys. I was looking at this uh, this Cubs series and thinking, right, UK friendly Sunday, we can write that off. The, the Marlins are going to win the first two and they're going to blow the sweep because. That's just how they were. the Marlins. Yeah, that's it. That's just that's just the method. But we win the series, so that's good. We'll win that series. We're then going to give the Bravos a taste of their own medicine, and it's going to be a sweep for the Marlins against the Bravos. Yes, sir. This one's getting clipped. Let's go. (laughs) This is this right here. This is a clip right here. Let's go, Sandy. Sandy Braxton Garrett, Jesus Lazardo. That's your three arms, and they're going to absolutely demolish the Bravos. Um, and sweep them back. So it's going to be just back in your face. I know that's four and three for the Braves on the year, but I think it's going to be a sweep. And, um, and it just catapults the Marlins forward. It's what they need in the start of May. The yeah. schedule really softens up in theory. Well, th- that's what I was going to get into right now. But I will tell you that before this Brave series, what I didn't like was the fact that they had just gotten swept by the Astros. So I felt like all signs point, like mm. they're not going to get swept by us. They're not even going to lose this series. Like they're going to win most of them. Because they're not going to get swept by the by the Astros and then come out with a dud at home. So that's why I started feeling pretty bad about this series. But like you said, after the Braves next week, we have the Cubs again for three in Chicago. Then we have the Diamondbacks for three in Arizona. Then we have the Reds, the Nationals, the Giants, the Rockies. We finally start getting some reprieve, right? It, it finally starts to soften up because we had, I think it was the eighth hardest schedule in the month of uh, April. So... The fact that we had the eighth hardest schedule, we're only two games under 500 at the end of April almost. I think that we're, we're pretty good. And I've been saying, I think what most of us have been saying, 86 wins is the goal. 86 got Philly to the World Series last year. So 86 is the goal. Hover around 500 and then make a small little push in September. And you never know what happens once you get in there, especially if you're the Marlins. That's what history tells you, right? So yeah. for certain, I mean... 
I think that's generally the vibe everyone has, right? It's like just hovering around 500. Can you make a move or two? Can you can you add a, a couple of... Like, there's clearly a need for a few more sticks. Like, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. And the Jesus Sanchez situation is... It's on thin ice there, but really they they have no other option at this point. The left-handed, you know, power stick. Um, but they'll be seeking to add, you know, if they're in the hunt, they can seek to add. I think that Jock Peterson one is is really interesting mm-hmm. uh, for certain. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be thinking the same though. And so actually that Jock Peterson situation becomes quite, quite competitive and they end right. up like clubs end up with a bit of an overpay to make that happen if there's like a real need. But the Marlins do have a real need. But yeah, it's going to be, that's the goal, right? Just stay competitive, stay relevant, mm-hmm. stay in contention. And then it's up to Kim. And this is contract year Kim. And so I think contract year Kim, if they're in the hunt, we're going to see the best in. of Kim Ang. We're going to see it. She has to. Mm-hmm. Job's yeah. on the line. She's going to be yeah, making sure. some moves. For sure. So, uh, again, we'll leave it here. But just real quick, Peter, final prediction for the season, just in case we don't have you on any in, uh, in some time. For the season, baby. Well, I, season. I mean, I've, I've just said we're going to sweep the Braves after being swept by the Braves. So I think <laughs> I've got the Marlins down at like 97 wins, I think, at one Ooh. point. I, I, I maybe wasn't quite that high. I, I, I down like for me, if they're 500 or above, like I feel like that's probably a dub um, for the fish overall, considering the seasons we've we've come off. Um, I think I had them in the kind of high-ish 80s as a best case. The the broad thing with this this team though for me is the variance, the the number and the variance in the number is so high. Like it, it's one of the highest vari- variance teams. I could see 65 wins and I could see 95, legitimately. Um, there's, this team could go one of many, many different ways. Um, and I just hope it's one of the positive ones, to be honest with you. <laughs> For sure. They've only won more than 90 games once in their history. So it'd be nice to, to hit that again. But like again, 500, make, give it to 86, and let's, let's see what happens in the postseason. So, Peter, where can everybody find you that's listening? Yeah, for sure, guys. Uh, I'm mainly a Twitter guy, so uh, follow me on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. And also, you know, you already called it out as well. Locked on Marlins is is my own part. Well, it's Locked On's part, but I'm hosting it. Um, five episodes a week there on Locked On, so head over to there. Equally as well to you guys, um, there's always guest spots required. So please come and join me on Locked On as well. We can get on. Spaz already got his hand up. He knows he's coming on. Just one, yeah, just one quick thing, because uh, somebody wrote to you on Twitter, and I thought it was hilarious. We miss you running out of your house, like, yelling. And I think, did Tara put a stop to that? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, what I'll say is, where I live, I've got neighbors both sides and then neighbors behind. In the last year, all of those three houses have been sold. So oh. my all neighbors have moved. You're driving them out. Okay. They, they just, they obviously weren't Adam Duvall fans. That must have been the problem. Like, you know. Running out there. I, here's my pledge to to everyone that's listening. And, and you're right. I love those clips. And now it starts to get warm in the UK, and you know the grass is nice. Yeah. Those clips are going to be back. Let's like, go, baby. There you go. This yeah. this this jazz forty forty tracker is going to be brought to life on the grass, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, thank you all the batter fans for listening, and Spaz, Brian, Cali. As always, me, Daniel, we appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end. We'll be back next Thursday uh, covering, I guess, a sweep of the Braves at home like like Peter Pratt predicted. So we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun episode. And until then, we'll uh, have a great week and enjoy this home series. See you next week.